Welcome to Worship from Home. I would like to thank everyone who's joining us today, and I would like to encourage you to prepare your hearts to receive grace from the Lord today and to participate attentively and prayerfully. Iwasan po natin ang mga distractions dala ng ating mga gadgets, ng social media, and I encourage you to take notes and reflect together later as a family, maybe with your friends or with your care group. Gamitin po natin yung mga pinupost natin ng mga reflection questions sa ating FB page. Today, we are continuing on with our series, My Strength and My Song. This is a series on the book of Psalms, the Psalms particularly written by King David, considering also their historical subscriptions. And today, we are blessed to have Pastor Abbott share God's Word to us. But before that, let us proceed to the reading of our Catechism to be led by Kuya Toy Ditskosiko. Have a blessed Lord's Day. Blessed Sunday, everyone. Breadcomb Church, I hope that you are all well uh, for this uh, Sunday's Catechism. We will be reading and reflecting question number 16. And the question is, what is sin? The answer, sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world He created, rebelling against Him by living without reference to Him, not being or doing what He requires in His law, resulting in our death and the disintegration of all creation. For our support verse, I'll be reading 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. And it says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. I think we have been called by the Lord from darkness into light so that we will become holy like Him. For He says in His words, be holy, for I am holy. For our call to worship, I will be reading from the New King James Version. Psalm 92, verses 1 to 4 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your loving kindness in the morning, and your faithfulness every night. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute, on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. Let us pray. Lord, what an opportunity for us to give you thanksgiving and praise because of your loving kindness and your faithfulness every day. Lord, may this be a time of glorifying your name in your name alone. Cause our hearts and our minds to worship you in spirit and in truth. May you be glorified altogether. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Good morning, Breadcom QC family. It is a joy to be with you at least virtually in our worship from home today. Hello as well to those who are joining us from different parts of uh, the country or maybe around the world. 
if you are not familiar with me, I am Pastor Abbott. I am the church planter of Cornerstone Reformed Church in Makati. And it is a privilege to share with you God's Word today uh, from Psalm 59. And we're going to talk about prayer life in the midst of opposition. You know, there are things in, in life that seems to be, it seems like an awkward thing to combine together. Like drinking hot coffee and eating ramen. It's similar to putting prayer life and enemies in the same category. Maybe some of you might be saying now, Pastor, what's wrong with uh, drinking hot coffee and eating ramen at the same time? Well, congratulations if you don't see anything wrong uh, with that. But generally speaking, you know, you don't automatically see them together. You don't put them together seamlessly. So just imagine with me for a second, you are enjoying your prayer time with the Lord. Like you started your morning well, you started great by praying. And you're thanking Him for a good night's rest. You, you praise God for His mercies that's new every morning. You ask God's help to be salt and light as you face the day. And then the face of someone you dislike, someone you had an argument with, someone who you think was spreading rumors about you, his or her face pops into your head out of the blue. How do you continue praying? Will you be able to continue to pray joyfully? Or will you stop and pray for that person? Or will you feel like your planned, serene, peaceful, quiet time was disrupted rudely by this mental picture of someone you do not like? It's difficult, right? It sort of feels like you are eating spaghetti and meatballs, but then the meatballs were replaced by Dunkin' Donuts munchkins. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It doesn't taste well. So the prayer time in those moments seem ruined. But the book of Psalms is full of these messy, awkward, honest situations reminding us that it's actually, it's actually normal sometimes even beneficial to pray, especially through difficult situations like this. Of course, if you are mature enough, you, if you are used to spiritual warfare, it would be easier for you to, to see them together, to be, you know, to be praying and have that sense of being surrounded by opposition. But even then, most of the time, our prayer seems to be lacking. You either pray, Lord, bahala ka na. Lord, do as you please. Lord, I surrender to your will. Or you, you get so intense with the prayer that it sounds more like a curse than a prayer. But there's nothing happening in between. Thankfully, we have Psalms like this Psalm 59, which gives us a more nuanced approach to prayer when we are surrounded by enemies. So we know that David in his lifetime had his fair share of enemies. Uh, even before he was made king, 
in in this case men were lurking around his home they were ordered by Saul himself and they have a shoot to kill order from the king and you see the story you see the background if you want to understand what this psalm is all about uh, you can see this in first Samuel chapter 19 verses 11 to 24 so you can read that uh, in your own time but while that is happening on the outside Psalm 59 is a closer look to what is happening inside the heart of David. We get to sense his emotions, even his relationship with God. But pastor, I can't relate to David because I have no enemies. I'm a fairly good person. There are no people lurking around my home. No one is out to kill me, or at least none that I'm aware of. Maybe in this case, we need to have a broad definition of what enemies look like today. It could be a person or a group of people where you're supposed to feel safe, but you don't. It could be someone who has hurt you in the past and the issues remains unresolved. Or it could be someone that you used to have this harmonious relationship, then you had a falling out. And now you can even be yourself uh, around this person. You, you cannot initiate conversation. So when we define enemies like this, you will realize that often these are not, you know, random strangers, but people we know, but people we know very well. Actually, those closest to us has the most power to inflict pain on us, right? So think about that wider definition of enemies as we look into this Psalm 59. So allow me to read Psalm 59 for us today. And I'm reading from the ESV Bible. Psalm 59. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me. For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, for no fault of mine, they run and make ready. Awake, come to meet me and see. You, Lord God of hosts, our God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. Each evening they come back, howling like dogs and prowling about the city. There they are, bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips, for who they think will hear us. But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all nations in derision. O my strength, I will watch for you. For you, O God, are my fortress. My God in his steadfast love will meet me. God will let me look in triumph on my enemies kill them not lest my people forget make them totter by your power and bring them down O lord our shield for the sin of their mouths the words of their lips let them be trapped in their pride for the cursing and lies that they utter consume them in wrath consume them till they are no more that they may know god that god rules over jacob to the ends of the earth each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. 
They wander about for food and growl if they do not get their fill. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So what was going through David's heart while he was being surrounded by enemies? How did he pray? And in this psalm, allow me to share with you three ways we can pray to the Lord while we face opposition. Here's point number one. We can ask God's help against our enemies. We can ask God's help against our enemies. You know, David went straight at asking God's help. We see in verse 1 and 2 what David wants God to do for him, right? Deliver me, protect me, save me from bloodthirsty men. There was no adoration, no thanksgiving, just a straightforward petition to the Lord to help him. And not only is David pleading to the Lord to do something for him, he is also asking God to do something with his enemies. You see that in the second part of the Psalms, right? In, in verse 11 and 12 and 13, Kill them not, make them totter by your power. Let them be trapped in their pride. Consume them in wrath. Consume them till they are no more. Wow, those, those prayers are really not shy. How can David boldly pray these things to the Lord? Well, that may imply that, you know, he is so desperate that he is praying this prayer or he is sure that God will hear his prayer. And we need to know and we need to see that David's confidence in asking the Lord is contingent on his claim of his innocence. Look at verse 3 and 4 again. Behold, they lie in wait for my life, for fierce men stir up strife against me, for no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord. For no fault of mine they run and make ready. You know, we need to keep this verse in mind because I think this plays a crucial role in our message today. So, David is bold enough to make this prayer to the Lord because of his assertion that he is innocent. And that may be true. These people are out to, to get him not because David was evil. They were out to get him because they are evil. They were sent by King Saul who had evil intentions towards David. And David was nothing but good to King Saul. David loved his son, Jonathan. He loved his daughter, Michal or Michal. You know, I think one common response, uh, our common response when we are faced with great opposition is to ask or to think, what did I do wrong? Why am I receiving this hate? Sometimes we, we are quick to play that victim role and say people are out to harm us even though we haven't done anything wrong. And, and sometimes that may be true. But we say 
these things very quickly because we are blinded by our own faults. Let me just illustrate. You know, if a, you know, if collection agencies keep calling you every day, maybe going to your house from time to time because you haven't been paying your credit card bills, can you still pray this prayer and ask the Lord's help to deliver you from collection agencies? So yes, God defends his people according to his righteousness, but he also disciplines those he loves. So maybe at that point, with, with that example, more than defending, we need discipline. We need to confess to the Lord. We need to set our finances in order. But if that is not the case, if we know that we are really innocent, and, and we know, uh, you know, maybe David is innocent in this case, but he did not remain innocent uh, throughout his life, right? But if we really are, there's no fault of ours. If people are out to get us, not because of our iniquity, not because of our own faults, then we can be sure that God will righteously defend us one way or another. We need to trust that. And like David, if we know that, we can confidently ask God's help against our enemies. That's number one. Here's the second prayer. We can also cry out to God about our enemies. We can cry out to God about our enemies. So in the psalm, David is describing his enemies. You know, what they are like, what they are doing, what they can do. So David says they are bloodthirsty men. So they are murderers. They are fierce men. They are not afraid of anything. Their mouths are filled with curses and lies. They are prideful. He even compares them to dogs twice, right? You know, this is such an odd thing to see in a prayer. I mean, why would you even describe your enemies to the Lord? Why would you even mention these things in your prayer time? Does God need to know about what we think about our enemies? Perhaps not. But we do. We do. We need to hear from our own mouths what we really think about those who oppose us. Because that leads us to a point of honesty and transparency before the Lord. And in our honesty, our hearts are exposed. You know, this prayer may sound unusual, but one-third of the Psalms are like this. This is called a lament psalm, which I think we need to recover in our personal and communal prayer times. You know, a few months ago, I read this really heartfelt lament written by our very own Pastor Stan Cruz. It was very relevant and honest. You know, a psalm of lament is a passionate plea to the Lord to be true to His Word. And many times you will see this as the psalmist is, you know, he's feeling deeply 
the tension between his broken world and what God can do about it. And he brings his questions, his concerns to God. And that's the difference between a lament and a complaint. You know, a, a lament is directed towards God and it ends in submitting to God's will. You know, my friends, a lament is good for your soul. A lament is good for our mental health, which is very, you know, very fragile these days. And despite its awkwardness, you know, describing uh, what's happening and, and uh, describing uh, those who oppose us back to the Lord, there's beauty in praying like this because it connects our prayer life to the messiness of our world. By praying something like this, your prayer life becomes grounded in your present realities. It is no longer a disconnected part. It is part of your everyday world. They now can coexist because of lament. So keep telling the Lord about your enemies. Don't be afraid. Be honest. Describe them in detail. Don't hold back. Do this in your personal time. Be consistent. You know, just one warning. I hope that you are describing your enemies to God and, and not to others. Because when we do that, when we, when we talk about our enemies to others and not God, we're actually building an army for ourselves against our enemy. Right? And when we do that, we, we forget that God is the Lord of hosts, which David describes here. He is the commander of the heavenlies, right? If he is the commander of the armies in the heavens, you don't need any other reinforcements. As we keep describing to the Lord the oppositions we are facing, God may slowly bring our hearts to the surface. So we can see for ourselves the condition of our hearts. Sometimes it leads to confession and that's what we see in a lament. Or it would lead us to remember what God has done in the past. That's also part of lament. But it will always ultimately end in trusting in the Lord. And that is our third point. The third way to pray is to trust God's power above our enemies. We can trust God's power above our enemies. You know, one of the benefits of telling God about our enemies is it helps us put in perspective the powerlessness of our enemies compared to the absolute power of God. And we see in verses 5, 8, 9, and 10 how David recognizes God as the commander of the heavenly armies, that he is a strong and mighty fortress, that he shows us his steadfast love. You see how we start from describing what our enemies can do, then quickly transition to describing what God can do. And when you put them side by side, you will realize how foolish it is to not trust God in all of these. That's why, you know, even David says, you laugh at them, right? And this 
trust leads us to rejoicing. Look at verse 16 and 17. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. Why is David rejoicing aloud? Was his problem finally resolved? Actually, no. If you look at the background of this psalm in, in 1 Samuel 19, he just barely escaped with the help of his wife. But this is not the last time there's a threat to David's life. It, it uh, happened over and over in, 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 with the hands of different people. So David's enemies are still there. They still surround him. They're actually even closer. The danger is still present. It is still real. But for him, the presence of God surrounding his life like a fortress and experiencing God's loyal, consistent, persistent, sufficient love is more real than the threat of his enemies. It is more real than the oppositions that he's facing. And that makes him rejoice. My friends, the source of your strength, the oppositions surrounding you in your life, it may still be there. It, might be, it may not be going anywhere. But because God's steadfast love surrounds you, you can rejoice like David. The most important presence is not the presence of your enemies, but the presence of the God of the heavenly armies right beside you. So let me just quickly summarize how we can pray in the midst of our opposition. We can ask, one, we can ask God's help against our enemies. We can cry out to God about our enemies. And we can trust God's power above our enemies. But you know, you know, realizing and understanding these things does not automatically mean we can easily do them. In fact, it's still quite difficult. It's not common for us to pray specifically about what we want God to do for us and against our enemies. It's, it does not come naturally to talk uh, to God about our enemies, right? It's easier not to talk about it. And even though we know, we know that God loves us, we know that He is there, we are still overwhelmed by fear or anxiety or concern when enemies surround us. Let me give possible reasons why, you know, it's, it's not easy to pray these things. You know, for, for those who are craving for approval, it stresses you to think that there are people who would consider you as an enemy because you're, you're a fairly good guy. So it's difficult to even start praying because you cannot imagine people hating on you. For the younger crowd here, maybe it's killing you that, that some people don't even react or, or give likes to your social media posts. 
And sometimes you you are so concerned because you think that their posts are about you. And so when you're so consumed about what people think about you, it ruins your prayer life. Because what you really want is to be liked. So putting them in a category of enemy and asking God's help seems absurd. It, it doesn't compute. For those who are driven by success, you know, it, it, this, this seems like a no problem to you. you. You expect opposition along the way. In fact, you see it as an indication that you are moving up in the world. So, um, you know, when you see opposition, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a hurdle to overcome or maybe destroy, right? So there's no need to pray because you don't mind having enemies. What matters is that you're making it up in the world. What matters is you've made it in the world. But when you reach the top and you look down and see a number of close relationships you had in the past that used to be warm and welcoming that is now cold and distant, all because you did not attempt to resolve the tensions that you've had, all in the name of being successful. For those who value, if you value either comfort or control, you know, you want to make sure that the delicate balance of your life remains intact. So your response uh, to understanding and knowing that there are enemies around you might be opposite extremes. Either you you don't deal with enemies at all, you're sweeping everything under the rug, and you're not talking about it. It's, it's as if they don't exist. Or you will go out of your way to make sure that everything is resolved, right? You're pushing everything to make sure that uh, this is resolved in your life. And there's no space for trusting in the Lord. There's no space for having healthy lament. And both options lead to restlessness. That's why there's tension with prayer life and facing the opposition. You know, Jesus had his own share of enemies while he was on earth. But he dealt with them in a radically different way. In fact, he had this to say in, in one of his sermons in Matthew 5, verses 43 and 44. He said, you have, heard it, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. You know, my friends, we don't appreciate the value of this message until we realize that this is exactly what Jesus did. Remember the final week of Jesus. Enemies are converging around him. They are conspiring to arrest and kill him. And the hot spot of opposition in Jesus' life is in Jerusalem. And you know what he did? He courageously entered Jerusalem in that final week. On his final night, knowing that he is about to be given to his enemies, he chose 
to celebrate the Passover with his close friends. You know, you remember I said earlier that those closest to us has the most power to hurt us? So it must be heartbreaking for Jesus to be in that room, knowing that one of them will betray him, knowing that one of them will deny him, knowing that the rest of them will scatter. And yet, you know what he did? He shared a meal with them. He washed their feet. He loved them. He prayed for them. In our passage, we see David asking to be delivered from his enemies. On the cross, Jesus was delivered into his enemies for no transgressions of his, for no fault of his, for no sin of his, as our passage in Psalm 59, 3 and 4 says. He was delivered into his enemies. Remember, David prayed against his enemies on the cross. Jesus prayed for his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He even prayed a psalm of lament, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, in all these things, we, we only get to really appreciate the gravity of what Jesus did for his enemies when we remember that we are the enemies of God. We are the enemies of God that placed Jesus on the cross. We only appreciate what Jesus did on his final week, on that final night, and on the cross when we realize that we are the one opposing God because of our sin. And Jesus faced his enemies. He prayed for his enemies. He loved his enemies. He died for his enemies so that you and I can no longer be considered enemies of God. Remember Romans 5 verse 8 and 10. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Because we who are formerly enemies of God are now called children of God because Jesus faced his enemies and died for his enemies, we can be confident to come to the Lord, to receive his steadfast love, to face our own enemies, to provide space in our prayer life, in seeking the Lord in the midst of opposition. Let me end this message with with one verse from the most famous psalm of david in psalm 23 uh, verse 5 verse 5 says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you know our lord is not only a great shepherd he is also a gracious host he will host a great banquet for you to enjoy his provision. And even though enemies are just across the table, you need not fear because the shepherd is with you. 
And He is even more gracious to bring your enemies on the same table. That's, that's grace, actually. That's, that's, an, that's an expression of grace because He is giving you the opportunity to enjoy a restored fellowship with someone you consider an enemy when you remember that right beside you is the one who restored your fellowship with God. My friends, is that host, is the Lord the shepherd of your life today? Let me lead us in a short prayer. Father, we, we will sing of your strength. We will sing aloud like David because of your steadfast love, because you are persistent and consistent and sufficient in loving us. You have been a fortress to us. You, you have been a refuge to us in the days of our distress. And so because of these things, Lord God, we can withstand the opposition in our lives. Lord, as we face enemies day by day, help us remember that the most important presence is your presence in our lives. Lord, we remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, dying for his enemies, loving us so we can no longer be considered enemies of God. And help us, Lord, enjoy this restored fellowship with you and share this restoration, this restored fellowship with those we consider as enemies. We praise you, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh
sealed the promise Your very body began to breathe Out of the silence The roaring lion Declared the grave has no claim on me And in the morning Before we close in prayer po, I would like to invite everyone to join us in our first ever Worship from Home live next Sunday. Our worship service will be streamed live on our Facebook page on October 25, 4pm. And it will be followed shortly with an online fellowship via Zoom. We will also get to participate together in the Lord's Supper. So please have your bread and wine prepared in advance. It will be a wonderful opportunity to feel that sense of oneness again as a church, even virtually. Tayo pong lahat ayumo ko at pagpasalamat sa ating dakilang Diyos. Father in heaven, thank you for the word that we received today. Use it to shape us and our community so that we can reflect your love towards people around us and even towards people who for us are difficult to love. Lord, make us come to you in times that we are in trouble and help us in our most difficult situations. In Jesus' name, 
People of God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His countenance towards you and give you peace. Amen. Have a blessed Lord's Day everyone and please stay tuned for a few more announcements right after this.